0: The success of a business does not merely depend on strategy, finance and marketing. In today's fast-changing and competitive workplace, a healthy psychological environment is necessary for an organization to thrive. And perhaps more than anything else, it is the leadership of the organization that determines its psychological health. On Happier Talk, we will discuss the how and the what of being a great leader. One who is able to realize individual and collective potential. She is a widely respected workplace psychologist who has served as a consultant in over 200 Fortune 500 companies, including UPS, Best Buy and AT&T. Her specialty is executive coaching with a focus on increased performance and satisfaction at work. She's the author of The Art of Authenticity and a faculty member at the Lerner School of Business at the University of Delaware. Our esteemed guest today is Dr. Carissa Thacker. Welcome Carissa, great to have you here today.
1: Thanks, Tal.
0: So tell me, how do you help organizations thrive?
1: I think thriving in organizations starts with the leadership. And so first and foremost, the leaders in organizations must be thriving themselves. And that sounds uh, simpler than it actually is. Because in today's business environment, there's tremendous pressure, particularly around quarterly results. And so the pressures are immense to produce. But the reality of that is there are certain behavior patterns that are ingrained. And so once you begin to help leaders see a bigger picture, that thriving is actually part of competitive advantage that opens up a whole new line of conversation.
0: Um, and your role when you come into an organization is to, to open up that uh, conversation. W- what do you talk about with leaders in order to help them to, to thrive?
1: Um, I talk a lot about who they are as a person, not what they do, not what they have accomplished. And Almost all of my clients have tremendous accomplishments. And we start there. We we know that that's ex, that's a given, but who do they want to be as a leader is one of the first questions. What 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 is your signature? What mark do you want to make, not just on the business but on the people? And so, if, for example, if I were working with you, I would say, Tall, tell me in in the best possible world how would you like your team to experience you as a leader and that opens up a lot of of dialogue. So there's individual conversations uh, but there's also an opportunity I think in the world now to talk about how do we create trust and authenticity among a team and a lot of work gets done in teams now and so the reality of being authentic being authentic by yourself doesn't really make a lot of sense. So working with leaders to help them do things like proactive, practice proactive transparency. So a conversation I have often with my leaders is, Carissa, we're in the middle of an m and I can't really disclose a lot about that, or I don't know what's gonna happen next quarter. How do I handle that in this new age of transparency? I think Maureen Bennis nailed it Uh, in one of his last articles when he said we are now in an age where transparency is normative and leaders need to err on the side of transparency. So the dialogue that I have with people who want to be authentic is how do you set level set where you've told stories enough about who you are and opened yourself up in a proactive way so that if you can't tell everything that you know people have a sense of who you are and where you are coming from. Mm-hmm.
0: So what, what kind of stories do you see emerge when, when, you, when you talk to leaders? What kind of stories do the, the best of them share with their staff?
1: The best of them are willing to say, I don't know. And they're also willing to tell stories of, gee, we didn't know and we figured it out. So the shift from I, uh, the all-knowing leader, Uh, who has my hand on the pulse of the marketplace and the organization, that day is long gone. And so I think the best of the best are willing to tell stories when they didn't know and things were figured out. So there's a positive outcome. But I also think it's important that leaders share stories when it didn't turn out so well. Um, So the permission to not be perfect. And the reality of when you're particularly trying to innovate or figure new territory out, you are going to fail. And so making that normative and making that okay to talk about creates a psychological safety where people can actually figure Mm -hmm. things out.
0: Um, Do you have a, when you come into a conversation with a leader, do you have a, a, a toolbox? Do you have a list? of these are the characteristics that I hope uh, to bring out of the leader so that they are better, so that they are more authentic?
1: I like the strength the via strengths uh, because that sets up a conversation to talk about who they are at a deeper level. So using that tool and saying, okay, your signature strengths include perseverance, they include love of learning, uh, they include courage. How does that play out and how does that actually work? And each conversation though is different. Um, you know, the reality of my work is I may walk into someone's office and they're 10 minutes late and they're in the middle of a fire drill. And so there's there's the 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 setting the stage or just sitting down and helping them get into what I call a step back mode. Uh, which can be difficult with the pace of, of organization. So first step, the step-back mode. Second step is usually kind of what's going on, you know, bring me up to date. So we have to move gently into the step-back and the, step the who-you-are territory uh, in many cases.
0: And do you find that leaders actually change through, through the process? Do they change a little? Can they transform themselves?
1: Um, leaders can transform themselves, and what we know about how leaders develop is that when they're in a stretch situation, those are opportunities that are rich. So, I'm always thrilled when somebody calls me and says, I've got someone who's taken over EMEA, and they've never worked in Europe. Or I've got someone who now has a team of 5,000, and they had a team of 2,000, because that that's where the transformation is because the reality of that kind of stretch role is you have to figure out new things and you have to figure out things about yourself and you have to use other people to help.
0: What I'm hearing is also um, um, an emphasis on vulnerability uh, because you're saying first of all that they admit that they don't know and second, when you're in a stretch position, you are, by definition, vulnerable, mm-hmm. not as solid. Uh, is is this uh, an, an important component of of the authentic, growing leader?
1: I think it's a huge component, and I don't talk about it necessarily in terms of vulnerability at first. <laughs> we get there, though. <laughs> so so the reality is if you enter this stretch role with the idea of being a student uh, and what are you going to do in the first 90 days, the most the classic mistake is I'm going to go in there and figure it out and lay out the plan and we'll get it done. But taking on the position of learning. And if someone doesn't have love of learning as a strength, you know, how do they move into that territory? And I've actually used the via and said, you know, this is kind of low, but in a stretch role, this is something we might need to use other aspects of who you are to elevate, because that's a first step, learning. Um, the transformation happens when they are willing to be transparent enough to say, I need help figuring this out. And that's the key that unlocks the magic. But there's a lot of perspiration and work involved in knowing the people well enough, creating the relationships where it's actually safe for the leader to have those conversations. But it's, um, you know, trust is an interesting dynamic and it's always, let's build trust, you first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so with leaders, they do have to be first. Uh, And particularly if you're in a stretch role, being vulnerable enough to say, I don't know, I'm figuring it out, uh, is key. And th-
0: that is, that's very different from most people's uh, conception of what a leader uh, should be like. Because our conception is the leader is the all-knowing, always confident, always right. Yeah. And suddenly in today's world, which uh, my, my colleague Angus Ridgeway calls the disaggregated world, um, this has changed. We no longer can know everything. We no longer can uh, be right, even most of the time, and and that requires new um, um, a new set of skills. It requires a lot of courage.
1: It requires a lot of courage, and I think it's dangerous to operate from the twentieth century mentality in the twenty first century, because there's there's this whole disruption that's occurring strategically. And so the notion that you can be General Motors or at and and pretty much operate as is or in a more static state than dynamic state is just not realistic. And it's not realistic even for the biggest companies. So the I think it's not just a good thing to do, a nice thing to do, the right thing to do. It is actually a competitive advantage. Uh, we can think about it in those terms or we can think about it in as a B priority or gee this is about the organization but I think the way the organization operates and how people interact you can connect the dots to how responsive the place actually is to this complex marketplace. Mm.
0: Now in this complex marketplace uh, in this uh, 21st century uh, organization How can more women take senior positions? Uh, So Cheryl Sandberg talks about it, leaning in, and yet we see a sort of a a plateau in terms of the the number of women, percentage of women who who come into senior positions in in organizations. What needs to happen for that to change? So there's a couple
1: of ways that, that I think are useful to look at that. And in my coaching with women, I am often in conversations about taking stretch roles. So if we look at it from the lean-in Sheryl Sandberg perspective, we know from research that companies that have women on boards are less apt to take out their risk. They're less apt to throw the dice. They're less apt Mm. to, to do things that could be dangerous in the marketplace, make bad decisions. So that's a good thing. But the way that can translate into an individual leader's life is they may say, oh, take over Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. And a woman could very easily say, I'm not ready for that. But so how do we, in using Cheryl's work and and many others, help women understand that you're never going to be quote unquote ready for a stretch role. So I think that's the individual piece. I think the more uh, systemic piece is for organizations to identify uh, folks who have women who have the potential to contribute more and create networks where they can actually be exposed to people, men and women, who can actually help them have the perspective and the mentality that if I am going to go to the top and reach my potential, if that's what they want to do, it requires risk.
0: Mm -hmm. How important are role models for me as a leader, either uh, starting off or being a seasoned leader?
1: I, th- I think they're huge throughout the whole um, play of, of one's career in, stru- in uh, working with senior executives, CEOs, uh, or people who are just in a position of power, one of the struggles that they have is who can who can I confide in? You know, who who is it that I can feel comfortable, and who I can model myself after? After because it's not so easy to find peers. Uh, it's a very competitive world. But role modeling starts from the first job. Uh, And so with millennials, which is an interesting area that I have been working in lately, how do they find a person and connect with them informally? And I've started saying, you know, don't wait on a program. Find a person that you like Mm -hmm. and and begin to have coffee. You know, have, have two meetings per month with somebody that you don't know in the organization critical importance, uh, because what I think is happening with folks coming into the workplace is they're coming into the workplace and saying, I want to bring my whole self uh, to the workplace, but what they need to do is begin to understand the workplace. So I've seen some really fascinating transformations when people who were newer in the organization actually took the initiative versus waiting for programs uh, mid-career. That's huge. That's huge. And I think if someone is mid-career director, lower VP type level person, finding ways to connect with people who are senior in the organization that's be, that are beyond role, that are beyond a status update, that are really about connecting with people beyond the surface is critical. Because fundamentally getting promoted is about someone trusting you.
0: Mm. And for the most senior uh, leadership, who can they look to in terms of role models?
1: That's a very lonely job. Um, So I think with senior leaders uh, being a part of networks uh, of other senior leaders in different industries is often the conversation I have. That being said. Those jobs are incredibly demanding, so it can be hard to talk a a senior leader into the value of networking and creating those relationships. Um, So there's also alternatives in the community, I think, for senior leaders who maybe are not necessarily on the turf, uh, but people in the church or the community are in in some facet where they can begin to not be in role. Uh, Those roles can take over your your whole person. Mm They're dangerous in that way, but they're also a tremendous opportunity to have impact.
0: You mentioned briefly the millennials. Um, What what do we need to know about the millennials? How how different, how similar are they coming into the workplace now?
1: Um, There's actually some solid research that has come out of the Center for Creative Leadership about it. So I, st- I got curious about the millennials from hearing stories about oh you wouldn't believe what this one did or that one did and gee they show up late, they leave early, etc, etc. But if you dig into the research, the norm is more about freedom, flexibility, and wanting to have impact more quickly. So hierarchy as we know it is in for a rude awakening uh, with the Millennials. And I don't see a world ever happening where, you know, what Zappos has around holocracy. I don't think that's normative. I don't think it will be normative because human beings um, are hierarchical by nature. So in order to get business done, hierarchy is required. That being said, hierarchy is not what it used to be, and it's in the middle of a tremendous transformation. Uh, So with the millennials, they feel free to speak their mind. They don't necessarily think about role. So what happens when a millennial who's been in the organization less than six months sees an SVP and says, hey, what, what do you think about that? And there's three people between that person. That requires, in some ways, the kinds of skills that you and I have already been talking about of leaders, uh, to be open, to listen. Humble. Yeah, humble. Yeah, to to think, wow, you know, people understand a culture better when they're new in a culture before they know how it works. So how do we take that feedback and use it? There was a a story uh, in the news recently about Starbucks where people, the millennial generation, had said, you know, throwing this food away every day feels bad to me on a human level. And the company responded, refrigerated items, of course, that creates a whole level of complexity. So they had been giving away the pastries, but with the refrigerated items, you know, there's laws and you can't poison people. And so Starbucks senior management actually took on the problem of logistically, how do we figure out how to get these refrigerated food items in the hands of people who can use them. Mm -hmm. And that's what the millennial generation can bring.
0: So using that challenge as an opportunity for individual and organizational growth.
1: Yes, it's huge. Now one could say oh is that really going to help Starbucks business you know in terms of the bottom line. Maybe, maybe not, but it helps their culture and helps create a system where human beings can flourish and grow and the workplace is where who we are meets reality in many ways and we can be creative and have an impact and if you just step back from that and you think about what that might mean from a business perspective uh, in terms of hardcore numbers because that says okay what i'm feeling what i see in this actual coffee shop is relevant to the people who are running the place, and I'm gonna bring it
0: forward. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Carissa, for bringing your ideas forward and for making such a difference in such an important domain as leadership. Yes, thank you, Tom, And thank you for watching Happier Talk. For more interviews and other programs, please join us on Happier TV.